Hi, everybody, and welcome to Kremlin File. Olga, we ready to go, right? Yes, we are. We've got another, okay, great guest today because we have Paul Massaro, who we absolutely adore. Paul is the Senior Policy Advisor for Counter-Corruption and Sanctions on the U.S. Helsinki Commission. So his work has advanced the recognition of corruption and uh, also as a national security threat, which yep. you know, we're going to be talking a lot about. He actually worked on 13 pieces of counter-corruption legislation, and he facilitated also the founding of the Congressional Caucus Against Foreign Corruption and Kleptocracy, the Klepto Caucus, and the Interparliamentary Alliance Against okay, Kleptocracy. And his work is also featured in Casey uh, Michelle's book, okay, on American kleptocracy, how the U.S. created the world's greatest money laundering scheme in history. So without any further ado, let's get Paul in here. Welcome, welcome, Paul Masato. Hey, good to be with you guys. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. Paul, in your vast experience over the years, okay, uh, what's worse in your view? Do you think it is the foreign powers that come into our countries and corrupt our politicians, our businessmen, our intellectual elite, or do you think it is the people who enable, like the, our domestic people that enable these, these foreign powers to come in? Because it's not just Russia, right? And we concentrate on Russia, but they're the Chinese Iranians. I mean, there's a lot of groups. Okay. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Before I, before I answer that, I always want to say, you know, I'm speaking here in a personal capacity. What I say is not necessarily an official position of the United States government or any official position of any individual commissioner of the, of the Helsinki commission. So, I mean, for me, it's the enablers easy, you know, I mean, I, I, and I want to, and I want to, and I want to say that while also acknowledging that there wouldn't be a problem if there weren't kleptocrats, okay? So, so if 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 there weren't kleptocrats, there couldn't be enablers, right? Uh, so, so I mean, obviously, like if we live in the the perfect world where, you know, there aren't kleptocrats, wonderful, you know. But given that there will always be kleptocrats, because there's always going to be the the you know the hard guys and hard countries and hard whatever that kind of get raised. So, so I you know I I, I don't have any sympathy for these individuals. But in some sense, when you look at their stories and you look at where they come from and their background and stuff like that, okay, yeah, they're mafiosos like Putin's KGB and, and so on and so forth. You like see how they got there. Now, when you look at the white shoe lawyers and you look at the great Ivy League educated people who end up being lobbyists and that sort of thing, you know, and then these guys end up going and working for dictatorial foreign governments to undermine democracy and to undermine the United States and undermine the European Union and, and, and other democratic governments, so on and so forth. In a sense, they know better. <laughs> they, they know exactly what they're doing. They, they, they know what's going on. There's nobody, there's nobody that doesn't know, you know, I mean, it didn't like, I think that now the norms really are changing. Like I, like, I think that I, I've in my time on the Hill nearly a decade seen that it's much kind of less acceptable. Like people kind of like, look at you funny today if you're going to work for like a Russian oligarch or something like that, or a, or a you know, a subsidiary of a, of a Chinese state influenced company or something like that, although some are still like totally on the table, like Gulf monarchies or something like that. But I mean, as, as we just saw, I don't know that crazy story with John Allen, right, is now under investigation for, you know, uh, violating FARA after taking, you know, these, these millions of dollars of Qatari, you know, quote unquote, business deals, 
Um, but you know, uh, you know, these individuals, they know what they're doing. It, it shouldn't, it shouldn't take, you know, a normative shift, uh, a big, you know, campaign for these individuals to know that taking money from a dictatorship is wrong. Cause we, we've had this before, you know, I mean, in the, in the, throughout the cold war, if you took money from the Soviets, it wasn't just wrong. We would, we would label you a traitor in a, in a heartbeat. You know, I mean, that was just straight up, you're, you're, I mean, it's treasonous, you know, but because of this, you know, ideology that, that we sort of developed over the last 30 years and have been, you know, uh, um, immersed in over the last 30 years, this idea of change through trade, economic integration will lead to democracy and so on and so forth. We've basically given ourselves an excuse to accept blood money saying, oh, you know, we're helping these guys transition. We're helping them move to, and that's what they'll always tell you, right? And every time you say, oh, we're helping them move to democracy. And it's like, you can look at them, it's like, we're helping them, you know, it's like the most, the most robust dictatorship in the world. It's like, oh, we're helping them develop democratic institutions. It's like, give me a break, <laughs> you know? Like, like, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. you know, it just keeps getting worse and worse, worse. I mean, everybody, it's a few it's, pipelines it's like, later. It's the most, yeah, that's right. Exactly. It's the most obvious lie, but it, these are the lie that people tell themselves so that they can accept this blood money. And it's, and, and in all honesty, I mean, it's a lot for, you know, someone that works in the Hill, right? Like, I mean, uh, geez, if you can go make $300,000 a year, half a million dollars a year, something like that, that's a lot of money for somebody that worked in government. But when you really look at the fortunes of these guys, I mean, they are, they are buying powerful, influential people for pennies. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's really extraordinary. Cause you look at like, you look at, you look at like how much these, you know, these people have you know, billions, you know, we know of at least 7 billion of Abramovich's money that's just frozen in some Cayman's account. One oligarch, you know, what's half a million dollars to him. He just bought like, you know, he can, he can buy a whole army of lawyers and former government officials and whatever else, you know, and they do, and they do. It's strategic corruption. It's the whole, it's what we've been talking about for years. It's what's, it's what's essentially enabled this invasion of Ukraine, right? Because uh, something I've, I've said over and over and over again is, you know, it was a lack of deterrence, right? We like Putin basically thought, oh my God, like the West never deters me. I do, I do whatever I want. And all I ever get is a slap on the wrist because I own them. You know, I own all parts. I'm taught they're totally, they're elites. Again, they're elites. This is the thing is it's, it's, they're elites, very strategic elites are totally dependent on me, Right. So that so that when I abuse Interpol and I do cyber attacks and I invade Georgia and I invade Ukraine the first time and I interview in the U.S. election and I do all this stuff, no one ever actually punishes me for it, you know, and and no one ever has. I mean, every 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 punishment has been a slap on the wrist and eh, we'll hit a handful of oligarchs, whatever. Nothing has ever really hit the big change that I mean, and, and that's why I say like his calculation to go after Kiev made perfect sense in that regard. He understood the West perfectly. And had he captured Kiev, that would have been it. We would have accepted it. We would have said, ah, oh, how dare you do that? Okay, back to business as usual, you know? But the one thing that he didn't calculate was that the Ukrainians would resist like they did, that Zelensky would be the hero that he is, and so on and so forth. Because to, to him, that's a, the Ukrainians are just, they don't exist, they're peasants, they're, they're, they're subhuman and all that kind of thing, right? So he wasn't able to see them as, as, as what they are, which is actually, you know, people that really believe in the values that we claim to believe in, people that, people that will fight for these values and die for these values and, and, and fight for their democracy and their, their sovereign, sovereignty and their independence. Um, so they forced us to wake up a little bit, although 
you know, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I worry a little bit that we're that we're falling back to sleep. Has Putin ever called me a racist? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions. And the answer to all of them is no. You brought up a very good point with the Soviet Union. During the Soviet Union, the reason, one of the reasons for the collapse was because of their inability and they honestly didn't, you know, try as hard to buy the politicians and, and, um, and lawyers and accountants and all the enablers. I mean, you know, they attempted with the KGB wars and they uh, attempted to get access to U.S. secrets, but it wasn't this systematic, you know, policy that they need to have people on every single level, whether in government industries and anyone in between who is influential. And anyone here would have been labeled a, a traitor or treasonous. Now, why has Congress not made it like done, you know, created a policy where, for instance, sensitive high level positions like the head of the FBI with uh, uh, Louis Free um, and uh, William Sessions, who went to work for Mogilevich, uh, where CIA officials, you know, former CIA officials, that they're not allowed to go and work for these powers? Because now we see in the age of disinformation, you see these people, and I am constantly, you know, reading Russian news, and they're quoting one ex-CIA official or a former FBI agent or this, who is literally repeating Kremlin talking points against the United States and the official policy. Why um, has Congress not created a policy where you cannot go work for our adversaries who are doing everything to undermine us so and to destroy it. I, I yeah so so let me let me start with just a comment on the Soviet Union because I think it's very that's an astute observation that you know like what what's the deal like Soviet Union was plenty corrupt you know I mean, there was there you know there's uh, you know you know we pretend to work they pretend to pay us you know that, that, I mean this is the Soviet Union all dictatorship is corrupt you know but it didn't exercise strategic corruption right it was it was a it was a system of corruption within the within the country and within the Soviet system and within the communist system. Um, but at the end of the day, they closed themselves off from the West. Modern dictatorship has kind of cracked the code, right? I mean, the, the big problem with kind of, let's say, old fashioned dictatorship, sort of Soviet dictatorship or Cold War dictatorship is your elites have to live in the country that they're robbing. And if your elites live in the country that they're robbing, eventually they're like, well, this country isn't great and we kind of need to make it better because because like look at what the West has and we don't have this. So like we should we should get what the West has. And ultimately, the elites demanded that and the Soviet Union fell. Um, but modern dictatorship has quasi cracked the code. The elites now can live in the West and undermine the West and be in the West and turn the West into, you know, their playground, buy off elites, as you say, Olga. Um, and that, but then just keep looting. They never have to worry about actually reforming at home so that you actually get a very deeply consolidated dictatorship structure where the elites are, you know, satisfied enough. Now, we'll see if this is sustainable if we now that we've sanctioned a lot of oligarchs and, and are, you know, have klepto capture task force and the Russian elites proxies and oligarchs, multilateral task force and so on and so forth. Although we're running into all sorts of issues on that. So we can talk about that too, if you want. I mean, it's like, it's not nearly as simple or straightforward as it seems. But okay, so on your other question, like why is it Congress? I think Congress is acting. And I'll tell you, 
there um, there are bill proposals and will be soon. And, and I think this discussion is very much in play as to um, how we regulate former officials. And I and I and I absolutely believe, and I've seen um, proposals that would just make it impossible for senior officials to work for kleptocratic governments ever. You know, former former senior officials, right? So so the reason the reason we don't have this yet is for the reasons that I laid out. Uh, you know, just a second ago, that that we have been working off this ideology of, oh, well, actually, if these guys go work, I mean, it's it's a combination of corruption and, and ideology, and the corruption reinforces the ideology, right? Because the ideology has been, oh, if we go work for these guys, we'll have a positive impact on them. You know, we'll we'll help them understand democracy, and it's better that we work for them rather than somebody else, and blah, 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 blah. You know, if I didn't do it, somebody else would. The classic, you know, kind of Nazi right. trope, you so it's know, best but that it's us, right? Yeah. It's best that it's us because we're the guys that know the stuff, you know, and whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, I think that this, you know, obviously we're seeing the pushback now. Like if you talked to me just a couple months ago, I would have said this ideology is definitely coming to an end. Uh, I think that we're seeing kind of the resistance kind of come back, particularly in Germany and France and Italy and so on. We're, we're seeing the big pushback to saying, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This is going to require a massive transformation of our economies. It's going to require a lot of elites making a lot less money <laughs> because they're not going to be able to accept blood money anymore. It's going to require a lot of sacrifice on the parts of elites and a little bit of sacrifice on the part of populations too. But but I don't. I think the populations are ones that are would be willing to make the sacrifice if asked to make the sacrifice. I think the big people that don't want to see the change happen are handfuls of elites that are you know they're the ones that have been the big. Um, you know, uh, uh, winners, so to speak, of kind of deviant globalization, right? I mean, they've been the ones that have been able to gallivant around the world and enjoy, you know, vacations and all the other places and get yachts and have the great, you know, great jobs and consultancies and whatever else and make half a million dollars by, you know, working five hours a week so that they can show up at some party and go, oh, I'm a former whatever, you know, like, and, and, and they're the people and that get compromised at the party. Right. So, <laughs> so this is, this is the kind of, this is the kind of thing that, that they don't want to lose. And, and I think that we're seeing that kind of pushback and, and it's, and it's getting, you know, the transformations are hard, you know, I mean, and, and, and we're kind of, you know, we're kind of getting to a point where it's kind of feeling like, okay, do we really have to make this transformation? Ukraine has kind of pushed back the Russians and Kiev didn't fall and we kind of did something. So, is it really necessary at this point that we like make the full transformation into like, you know, democracy first, values first, profit comes second kind of like, you know, uh, really battle in a sense, battle mode. I mean, in a sense, it's really where democracy should always be. Right. I mean, it's like that's the classic eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. You know, the second you let your guard down, that's the second all the blood money starts flowing in. You know, I mean, it's like I mean, there's nothing there's nothing. In a sense, there's nothing normal about the rule of law. There's nothing normal about democracy. Humans definitely default back to tribalism and infighting and strongman-style politics. I mean, it's, it, it, it should just be demonstrated by the fact that like, it's extremely rare in history to have human rights-based systems and, and rule of law-based systems and equality before the law and so on and so forth. You know, this stuff is worth protecting. You actually put out on Twitter that it is klepto month number two. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, exactly. When I saw the tweet, I went, woo, 
Ooh, okay. Are you going to tell us what that's all about so that yeah. we can get excited too? Because it right. was a really, really inspiring tweet. Go ahead, baby. Yeah. So last, <laughs> so last year we did a, the, well, the, the caucus against foreign corruption and kleptocracy, which, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Helsinki commission helped to found. And, you know, it's a, is a bipartisan caucus that is a congressional group, includes Republicans and Democrats. We're well over 20 members now. And I mean, it's, and I'll tell you that the, the, the range of members in this caucus would really surprise. It's it's there's there's some very far left, very far right, very moderate, all political angles. You know, because at the end of the day, I think that Americans really agree. I mean, I think that I think that all across the, I think I think you'll find if you just went out into America, rural, urban, wherever, you know, all differentiations, all political views, everyone's just really fed up with corruption, mm-hmm. and 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 everybody knows yeah. it. And I mean, they yeah. they all have different idea what that means. Because they've been led to believe certain different things by their by their various political leaders, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think they I think they have a good intuition that they're being had, you know, and they're right, you know, they're right. I mean, that's what we we're paying for our gas you know? prices. I mean, that's what we just about. Yeah. And you saw the profit. Yeah, right. well, I mean, we I were mean, just talking the about that. that Exxon Ooh. and all the major gas company, the posts. Yeah. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, here you have, you know, inflation and gas prices. People are like barely could fill up their tank. And and now and then you see what, you know, these companies are making off of this pain. Well, I mean, it's it's just, you know, it's 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 the fact is, is fundamentally globalization has not been fair or equitable in really any way. That's the that's the bottom line, and a lot of this has been driven by authoritarian dependence upon authoritarian states yeah. and integration with authoritarian states. And even mm-hmm. when you come to gas or fuel or oil, yeah, I mean, where do we get exactly. that stuff? Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, it's dictators. It's all yeah. dictators. Like I mean, it's just you know, it's just it's funny. Like it's, it's you know, it's it's, it's easy. It's easy to think the problems here. It's not. You know, I mean, it's, no. it's this is this is no. foreign influence stuff. I mean, yeah. and this is this is, of course, people going to where it's cheapest, right? I mean, that's what like like the like as the Germans told us over and over and over and over and over and over again for years. Nord Stream mm-hmm. Two is only a commercial deal. It's only a commercial deal because <laughs> because it's the cheapest gas available, right? Because it's being yeah. it's being made to be cheap. It's being it's it's yeah. it, the whole point of these dictators is they yeah. want to get you dependent Economic upon their cheap capture. energy. It's like a drug. And then, boom, okay, you're addicted, in this case, to gas. That's right. You know, I mean, that's what it is. And and the people that that make these deals, for the most part, again, this is that kind of thing where you always see the, there's the legitimation, oh, it's the cheapest gas, and then underneath there's the corruption, where it's like, oh, we're going to make you a very wealthy man, you know, and that's, and that's, and that's always... That's always what it is. This, that's where you see the realism up and top, then and then the, the bubble corruption around under, is actually. Oh, and while we're making you wealthy and giving you cheaper uh, energy, we will destroy your country from within, <laughs> and that's it. And that yeah, goes right, right around right, exactly. right, right. And it's and it's toxic. And then you got the people, you got your elites that come in. Oh, well, they're actually they actually provide very cheap gas. We actually rely on them, and really we can't afford to point out their human rights abuse or their democratic deficits or something. And then, and then before you know it, you got a system where you just can never respond, where you've got, you know, uh, Russia invading neighbors. And it's like, well, eh, you know, our allies rely on them and we really shouldn't do too much, you know, and, 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 and so on and so forth. And that's, that's what we went on for years. Again, the only thing that's changed is that Ukraine kind of slapped us awake for a little while, but you know, how long, how long it'll last is hard to say. So, 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 I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's what the caucus is. 
you know, and I think that's why it's, 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 um, it's gotten such a fantastic politically diverse membership, maybe, maybe the most politically diverse on the Hill of any caucus. Um, and last year we did the first counter kleptocracy month, uh, where we, you know, announced the creation of the caucus and introduced a number of different bills to, to fight kleptocracy. Um, and the day after we announced the caucus, the president announced, you know, the designation of corruption as a core U.S. national security interest, which was wonderful. It all kind of came together. So we're doing this again. We're, you know, June is counter kleptocracy month and there will be some bills to follow. Um, and having seen the bills, I mean, again, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't promise anything because it's Congress. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. But having seen, having seen the bills, I'll tell you, um, some of the stuff we've already talked about in this podcast, mm-hmm. this episode, some of that is going to hopefully be. That's why we have you bills. there. So we'll, Make sure we'll, it we'll, does. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So let me, let me, let me I, I hate, I hate to be cryptic cause I really am a straightforward guy and I like to talk about things. I think people need to hear straight up, but you know, there, there is the whole, you don't jinx it. They're going to be out soon. You know, like, like, like. Everybody's going to see what's in them, so... Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll be waiting, and I'll be waiting for the tweet. Okay. I'll yeah, for sure. No, and, I, and I'll, I'll send it. I'll send it right on to you. So it's a very exciting time, and I guess I guess it's to, you know it's to say that I think I really think counter kleptocracy has been it it has really pulled Congress together, um, and it certainly is at the very heart of the fight against Russia, and it and it and it, kleptocracy is absolutely the reason that Putin felt open to make his, you know, imperial mm-hmm. land grab, right? I yeah. mean, he really he really felt like he owned the West. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I, I thought at least in the first few weeks that we were proving him wrong. Um, now I'm a lot less sure. I mean, there, there's been, there's been a few anomalies that were interesting. Like I, I certainly think like the, you know, to what extent Russian influence still remains in the UK, I think is, is an interesting question. I think that, yeah. Um, you know, sir, there's certainly a lot of Russian money in the city of London. Um, Mm -hmm. but the Brits have to some extent because of, I don't know what it is because of political expediency or historical, Mm -hmm. um, values or just ideological. I mean, for all sorts of reasons has been able to overcome some of the strategic corruption and has been one of the, one of the real standouts Mm -hmm. with regard to responding to Ukraine. And then of course, you know, I mean, the other country that we know has, you know, accepted a lot of Russian blood money, Germany, um, has has been the opposite way, where 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 it seems like all its promises have gone undelivered, and it seems to be confused and at a loss as to what to do, and it's it's unclear to what extent it's it's this influence that is driving German inaction, or just a general sense of malaise and confusion and but but again it's always both i guess that's what i'm always trying to yeah. say it's always both yeah. it's always the top level and the bottom and level, with britain know? and with britain it um really is i think they went back into their cold war mode because britain and u.s have yeah. you know the playbooks to deal with the cold war and it's basically they like jumped into action so quick and not only with ukraine but just securing europe um, because I think they pulled mm-hmm. out their uh, and dusted off their Cold War playbook. And like, you know, whatever yeah. it was, it was until it became dangerous. Now we are basically at war with Russia and this is how we have to do what we have to do to contain them. And that's it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah. I think too. Well, I think too with the UK, it's sort of they're they're coming out of Brexit and the protocol, which now they brought back you know, into discussion, so on and so forth. So this is also a way for Johnson to deflect a lot of stuff that's going on at home, but it's also a way for them to carve out what their new global right uh, role will be, which I'm happy about because as long as they're in there, yeah. okay, fighting, that's fine, you know. And Germany, Paul, you know, it was really funny. Yesterday I was listening to um, uh, a discussion and there were a whole bunch of Germans talking about, you know, Schultz, you know, why, you know, Schultzing, okay, why is he, you know, so... And there's this yeah, idea. Schultzing. That's a great. Schultzing. Yeah. Or macronizing. That's another one now. Yeah. They're both verbs. Um, and basically what they were saying is that in a lot of countries in Europe, uh, going over to that side of the, of the pond, um, a lot of countries in Europe are more mm, concerned about their domestic policies. And this is limiting their way of helping Ukraine, which I don't agree with, but yeah, this is what they were saying. But I think it's a lot mm -hmm. more than that. I think that what you've just said makes sense to me because I can see all those little French and German last names and Italian last names uh, who have a lot to lose if uh, there's a big, huge change in foreign policy in Europe yeah, in general. Yeah, you're fighting against a trillion dollar machine. I mean, you know, people kill for a yeah. lot less. Yeah. Forget here. <laughs> that's That's right. I mean, look, look, I mean, energy sanctions are still pathetic. I mean, I mean, even even the oil ban was full of holes. I mean, and, and the gas is gas. I mean, we're that Europe is sending a billion euros a day to Russia. I mean, like, like we're I mean, funding you, the war. How do you how do you expect? How do you expect to win? Like, it's just it's just yeah. it's crazy. Like, I mean, what if what if we were fighting Hitler and we were sending a billion dollars a day to Hitler? Like, it's, just, it's just the nuttiest, yep. nuttiest thing. Yeah, no, it's insane. It's insane. Yesterday, I just, when I saw how much they're in a month, you know, they got 98 billion or something like that in revenues or from the beginning of the war, we're basically funding they're their genocide. War. That's what Not it is. Even. Yeah. They're genocide. Yeah. You know, no, that's what we're doing. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's really morally, like morally unacceptable. It's, it's a word. I'm and, thinking and of we, a hard, you know, adjective. And we, and we need, but, you know. I mean, we need, we need gas sanctions like tomorrow. Like we need, we need, we need just a gas cut off. And I, I mean, you know, I, 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 everybody's worried about how this, oh, it will cause economic impacts and it, you know, I could lead to further populism. I mean, it's just like, I swear, I mean, if you... If you really came out and gave the speeches and asked people to make a sacrifice, I mean, it's just like, you know, poll after poll shows people supporting Ukraine. You know, I mean, they, they know what's going on here, but you need to have leadership. You need to have leadership. And I mean, that's the, there, there is no leadership. I mean, the, 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 leader, the leaders keep on coming out and saying, like Macron, just today, oh, well, we share a continent with Russia. I'm so, I'm so tired of hearing this, this tired old oh, well, we'll have to work with Russia after this and we still will care. Like, like, well, no. Well, Macron can hand over his territory. Yeah. Yeah, no, you want to hand Paris over? You want to hand anything over? No, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, the size of the territory, I saw some of these, you know, some of these pictures, right? It was like, the size of the territory is like a, like a, like a third of Germany or something. Like, I mean, it's like, it's an enormous Yeah. Yeah. An enormous yeah. territory. Yeah. No, so, it's so, I mean, huge. It's, and I mean, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I mean, you shouldn't hand over even an inch. But, 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 you know, I mean, given, given what they're asking, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a terrible, it's a terrible situation. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, 
Yeah. It's just it's just a really deep sense of disappointment. Uh, It's hard. And not only that, you know what, Paul? What is China going to look at us if we don't stand up today to what is going on there and with Russia? Right? Will that not impact also the way China sees us? (laughs) And Taiwan. Yeah. We already see. So there is no doubt in my mind that she is watching this very closely because she i mean she's a she's unlike past chinese premiers right i mean he he is he is a very ideological communist party dictator like he's 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 really cracked down he's he's eliminated feedback loops that used to be able to provide you know dissenting opinions cracked down on journalism cracked down on universities all that kind of stuff like i mean he's He's very Soviet in a sense in his in his mentality. Um, so I I think that you know when this began, I think his hope was it would be over in two three days, and then he'd be like, all right, we're going for Taiwan, you know. And I and I I think that this gave him a lot of pause. I think I think there's a lot of things here, like that the Russian military performed so poorly is one big thing. I think that I think that leads to a lot of questions about it. The People's Liberation Army all it's cracked up to be like, I mean, to what extent is the people's liberation army as corrupt as the Russian military? Like, would there be, I mean, that's the thing. And I mean, you just, without, without good auditing mechanisms, I mean, when you, when your whole system is based on like, you know, Brown nosing the boss, you know, like, like it's, it's hard, it's hard to get good information, right? There's no, there's no negative feedback loops. There's no, there's nobody telling you the truth. Their whole system is based on stifling the truth. I mean, how do you think COVID happened? Right. I mean, I mean, COVID happened because Communist Party officials were like, oh, my God, you know, like if we tell the boss uh, we're in trouble. So they kept they kept suppressing the truth. They kept suppressing the truth all the way to the top until it was too hard to control, you know. So so I mean, I mean, whether it came from a lab, which, you know, OK, but but whether it came from a lab or a wet or whatever, whatever happened, the point is it happened because the CCP suppressed the truth. And that's what the CCP does. They suppress the truth, you know, Um but I think this was a this was a crazy wake up call for Xi, and I think that really scared him. Now, if the U, if the if the if the West backs down, if the West accepts a frozen conflict, if the West, I think that you know that makes the invasion of Taiwan more likely. That 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 gives that gives Xi some confidence back because that 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 indicates to him that it was a flash in the pan. There really mm-hmm. is no change. They're going to go of, back okay, yeah, to their I mean, old ways. They'll go back you know, to their old ways. They're too, de- they're, they're too dependent on Russian gas. I mean, just, and I mean, he must be so, wow. You know, I mean, look how dependent they are on me. Look how dependent they are on the Chinese market. Look how dependent they are on Chinese, uh, I mean, like Hollywood, the, the consumer market, labor, whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, there's no way they'll be able to uh, do anything similar to me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, China's watching this. Beijing is watching this extremely closely. And I think, I think we really scared them in the beginning. I think, I think they were convinced that their subversion, because of course we talk a lot about Russia being the, the strategic corruption guys, and they certainly are. I mean, Russia's entire system is built around strategic corruption, but China is a whole, whole different order of magnitude of strategic corruption. I mean, they, 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 they're, 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 their companies, their state influenced companies and their subsidiaries and everything else. Like, I mean, these things, I mean, they, they've got a whole, their Rolodex, their contact list, much wider and much more acceptable even than, than Russia, you know? So, I mean, I mean, we're, there's really, China's a very, very scary, scary, scary uh, autocracy, you know? Um, so, 
I, 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 I think that the best, the best China policy is winning the war in Ukraine, you know, um, because that, that at the end of the day will make, will make, will make an invasion of, of Taiwan practically, you know, practically, right. You know, impossible. That, 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 that really completely unlikely. Yeah. 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 It would, it would push it back. I mean, it's definitely on the CCP's agenda and will be as long as the CCP exists. Mm Mm-hmm. But it'll push it back many decades if, if the you know I mean because they're going to worry they're going to worry the Taiwanese will fight like the Ukrainians they're going to worry the West is going to be able to support um, Taiwan like like it supported the Ukrainians and and so on and so forth. Okay, so we have to increase those arms. How many times, Mo? Last year, when people you know asked or we discussed uh, Russia's military and, you know, the mighty military taking down Ukraine. It's been like, what mighty military? Like, how does the West have it so wrong when for every single contract, like military contract, probably like uh, two thirds is taken and goes into people's pockets and then one third actually makes it to whatever the funding was for. There, I mean, the whole system is built on corruption. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think you hit on something really, really important that goes beyond Russia's military. And that's just how did the West get Russia so wrong? How did we get Russia so wrong on like every account? Yeah. You know? And how do we continue yeah. to get Russia wrong? Because they're very good with propaganda. That's, that's, that's their number. That's right. But it's also, it's just two level corruption on the one level and on the other level and the other level there's still this you know almost i guess i guess one might call it like a great power bias i mean again it's it's this it's this really frustrating quasi short-term transactionalism which is often called realism for some reason even though it's a denial of reality but but i mean you know it's 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 this it's this you know, idea that and these things back one another up. The strategic corruption backs up this philosophy and prefers people with this philosophy, and this philosophy backs up corruption. You know, they they reinforce one another to view Russia as like, oh well, it's a it's a constructive player, and if it's not a constructive player, it's probably the West's fault that it wasn't a constructive player. And you know, it's like, you know, it, it's all this kind of stuff. Um, and and it's it's a real shame. I mean, I just. I just and, and and even now I just can't believe it. Even after even after what what was essentially everybody admitting, like I mean, what was the Schultz speech if not an admission that Germany got it wrong? You know, Germany, Germany, the top, the head of Germany, the head of government in Germany, admitted that they got it wrong. You know, and and it was a big mea culpa, and everybody gave these big mea culpas, and now we're just transiting back to what we were doing before somehow. Like it's. It's just, it's the weirdest, weirdest thing. It's like, I, I don't know what it's going to take for us finally to just say, I mean, what we need to do is isolate Russia. That's it. You know, so long as Russia is an imperial state, we need to isolate it. You know, maybe one day we can integrate it back in, but, but, but only when, only democracy first this time, not economic integration first, democracy first, democracy and human rights, then we can integrate it back in decolonization, demilitarization, you know, but, but I mean, it's, it's complete. We need to completely isolate Russia for as long as it takes. And that's, and that's fine. You know, I understand I'm no one's, no one is advocating military intervention in Russia. Nobody, nobody wants that. You know, nobody's asking for that, but, but I mean, it's our decision. It's our decision who we do business with. It's our decision who uses our financial system. That means it's, it's our decision. That's a sovereign decision. And I mean, why are we doing business with these guys? We don't have to do it, you know. I mean, they 
they they they they want to destroy their neighbors. They constantly, you know, they repress their people. They constantly throw the world into chaos. They constantly intervene in our systems. Like like in 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 in, in whose imagination do you open up your system to these guys? Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of that, so there have been so many rumors, and I actually recently wrote about this because it's kind of, you know, it was annoying. I ignored it until I saw very influential people now peddling it, that Putin is dying and he had surgery and whatnot. And all of these rumors seem to be generated from Russian intelligence. And I mean, there are several reasons I laid out of why they're doing it. One of them is for them to kind of lay the groundwork eventually as like a, a plan Z, you know, of... um. Uh, and that did not come out on purpose, Plan Z, I guess. I know. I guess, they, <laughs> I guess I'm so used to now thinking of Russia. Plan Z. But, <laughs> but uh, one of them is uh, potentially to, um, you know, to uh, put a new face on the Kremlin like they did with Medvedev in hopes of loosening sanctions. Meanwhile, we'll be the same hardliners behind the power yes. and nothing will change. How um, uh, uh, do you see this working? Do you see U.S. and the, uh, Europe falling for it and saying, oh, look, you know, there's a new face on the Kremlin now. Yeah, and, let's drop sanctions. Yeah. Do you see that yes. making any difference? Yes. Without, without constant vigilance and without people pushing to maintain the isolation, I think the, I think the bias, the presumption is against isolation of Russia. And I think, I think at the first opportunity when we can remove sanctions, we will. And I think that, I think that there's no, there's no appetite to maintain because, because the other thing is, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's no, there's no lobby. There's no, I mean, there's, 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 there's not, there's not this presumption like we have with Iran or North Korea of maintaining sanctions. You know, um, I think it's going to be harder so long as Putin's in charge, but already, I mean, in, in fact, in a sense, there's a lobby against maintaining sanctions, right? Because you've got Macron and Schultz and so on and so forth who appear to be in draggy, who appear to be, and, and of course, Orban. I mean, I, I always, I always kind of leave out Orban because, you know, in, in some sense, there's just no hope with he's him. One like, of them. like with Dre, at least like Draghi. Because <laughs> he's one of them, and, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, like, like you, like with, with yeah, Draghi, yeah. Macron, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Schultz. It's like you know, I don't know. It's like it's really tragic and messed up. But you know, it's like I mean, Germany, France, and Italy are you know they're our allies. Whereas like Hungary, I mean, Hungary is an ally. But but like even Orba, like Orban's just like I mean, he just straight up touts Putin talking points. That's it. You know, like I mean, so and he and he kind of yeah, does exactly. But, but 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 anyway um yeah so so I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be hard I think it's gonna be really hard um I mean and and the only the kind of stuff that we've set up like I think I think klepto capture task force and stuff like that those will remain I think I think it's gonna be I think the I think we've we've we have made some steps that aren't gonna go away like I think that like hunting oligarchs and stuff like that and, and tightening the financial system that that will proceed all the all the counter kleptocracy work that had been going on, because it's already got such a strong basis, I think it will proceed um, and proceed apace and has, has moved forward. But the complete isolation of Russia, I think the first moment there is an opportunity to remove it, it'll be removed. Unless, there's a, unless, there, unless there is a strong lobby, if there's a, a number of members of Congress or a strong lobby that's pushing members or whatever to not do it. And that, that, that needs to be there. We need, we need to be able to, you know, 
get to the point where we view Russia in the same lens as we view North Korea or we view Iran, right? That's kind of that's kind of where we need to be with Russia. We need to we need to or Cuba, I guess, you know, or Venezuela, you know, where, where we're saying where, where we are comfortable with permanent isolation and we're comfortable with saying, okay, we're, we'll isolate for as long as it takes. We'll move supply chains. We'll move all energy resources out. And this is just the new reality. Um, and I don't think a lot of people are there yet. I think a lot of people, I mean, at this point, you know, I think they're hoping for some kind of, again, frozen conflict or ceasefire or whatever, um, you know, so as to, so as to go to some semblance of normalcy with, with Russia. I think some things will never come off, but I think, I think a lot of things could. So basically like after 2014 to February, where, where um, all of Europe pretended Ukraine wasn't invaded and fighting a war against Russia for the past eight years. I mean, I mean, you know what we did, what we did immediately in the aftermath of this invasion is what we should have done in 2014. And if we'd done it in 2014, we probably would have stopped Putin for good. 2008 after now, Georgia. Yeah, right. So, I mean, but now, now it's, now it's in a sense too little too late. I mean, now, now it's, now we really need to follow it up with full energy sanctions, with massive arms deliveries and so on and so forth. I mean, we need to, we need to be all in for Ukraine winning. The only thing that'll permanently protect and, and stop regional instability, you know, um, is Ukrainian victory. I mean, Ukrainian victory would be the ultimate demonstration of you can't invade your neighbors. That's that, you know, and then, and then, and then you really would, I think, have a reformist discussion in Russia. You'd have people that question the kind of security establishment. I mean, I think that there would be kind of like a, I mean, that's the thing is like, oftentimes when you do see reform in Russia, it comes from this kind of, it comes from losing. You know, and it comes from defeat and you need to see the empire defeated. And when the empire is defeated, they're like, "Uh oh, you know, but any, any form of land grab, any successful ceasefire or whatever will be, of course, you know, that, that's, that, that will be a success for Putin and his, and his, uh, and his, and his, and his, you know, really brutal genocidal approach here. Yeah. So instead of the 10% of arms that we've already sent, we have to increase that exponentially, first of all, mm-hmm. right? Because that's, that is important. Well, and, 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 and what, what the heck's going on with like today? Like there's this, like the Germans are saying, like they, 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 oh, we can't send ammunition because there's a software update that won't be updated until the end of the year. Like what? every day, like, what is that, they like, have some nonsense. Mean? There's an excuse every single time. But that's but that's particularly nonsensical. Like that's just that's a, that is a straight nonsensical. No, and they, and, like, and it's the same pattern with Germany. Like the same exact pattern. They come out, they make a promise, we're sending these weapons, that's it. And then like within the next few days it's like well, you know, the software update or this happened or you just they don't even say anything yeah. and just don't send them. So so we've done we've done a lot of rightfully, I think, you know, discussing, you know, Germany, France, Italy. But I will say Funderline and the kind of EU structures have been very strong through this. And I mean, that's of course not national structures. I mean, Funderline's visited Ukraine now again. You know, yeah, I mean she was and, just and there. Yeah. Seen, you know, been to been to Buka, of course, seen wounded, you know, soldiers. I mean, so I mean, she has been a real shining star and hero through this and also saying a lot of the right things about Ukraine joining the EU. And if Ukraine is given 
um, candidate status, not potential candidate status, whatever the heck that is, but candidate status, uh, you know, in, in, in the next few weeks, uh, which, you know, it looks like they're, that's the timeline for it. Uh, that would be really big. I mean, that would be a really big morale boost. And I mean, that's, that's really, I mean, you know, I mean, like who, who has fought and bled for the EU, like Ukrainians, you know, I mean, it's like, Paul, I'm so glad you said that. My personal take, I mean, you know, being from the region and being half Ukrainian is like, I think that Ukraine should have its own uh, uh, organization and coalition. But like, you know, we're going to pick and choose which countries in Europe can come join us. Yeah, right. Yeah. Join, that's yeah. like NATO can apply to join Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that joke in Ukraine is like now, oh, uh, now, uh, like, you know, will NATO join Ukraine instead of Ukraine, like, being able to join NATO? Ukraine is the one who's acting. They're on the ground. They're fighting. Their citizens are fighting. Their military is fighting. They're the ones fighting the kleptocracy. They're, you know, like, they're loud and clear and basically everything that Europe has not wanted to do, but the value they presented is what Ukraine is actually doing hands on right now, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. totally, totally. I mean, it's, it's in, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's been some real heroism, obviously like Poland has shown extraordinary heroism. Um, I mean, the Baltics, I mean, you know, so there's, there's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I think it's important to recognize that like there has been extraordinary heroism um, within Europe. And it's, I mean, it's been central and Eastern Europe, um, that but, has shown but the Paul, extraordinary heroism. Central and Eastern Europe are the same, uh, countries who were sounding the alarm in 2008. I know. They I are know, the I same know. ones. I mean, listen, we were, we, you know, me, we know one another for a long time now. I mean, we've been, we have been sounding this alarm for a long, oh my long, God. long time. I'm still waiting to pass the baton. And it, and it, and it finally, I just, I just really, I really thought that after this, the recognition would come, the transformation would come. And, 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 and I mean, I think it still can, but I, I, I certainly see like the pushback has come, like the, the resistance is here now and, and it's, it's tragic. And I, I feel like sometimes, I don't know, just if there's still this level of resistance after such a horrific, horrific ongoing act a genocidal act um it's i don't know it's just it's hard for me to mm, imagine it's what would get us what would get us to where we need to be i mean what's gonna what's gonna get you know the west i mean the democratic world to recognize the kind of the kind of uh system that these regimes have the kind of the kind of threat that these regimes pose to global stability to our democratic systems and the way the united states thinks is they have this rule of law and we have this pentagon with this and and nsc and these you know we pay so many analysts and experts to sit around and think about oh the percentage risk of nuclear war and blah 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 blah, and mad and stuff like that russia russia ain't thinking like that putin is a gangster all putin's thinking is are they showing strength or are they showing weakness hey i'm gonna nuke you oh okay 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 great they showed weakness. Let's go in, you know? And the second we say, okay, whatever, you know, I mean, like, okay, well, hey, reminder, Putin, we're a nuclear alliance too, you know? Then then he, then it's like, oh, okay, all right, all right. I mean, I, the, the best example was when we, we 
you know, now there's these issues around Sweden, Finland joining NATO, but that's not because of Russia. But, but, you know, when they, when that all looked, when that all looked like it was going, you know, going forward well and everything, all Putin could do was just accept it. He, he, I mean, he, he literally came out and he's like, yeah, we're okay with that. And he did. And that's, that's what, it, that's all they yeah, can say. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, when we actually show strength, Putin actually backs down. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and every time we show weakness, he goes forward. I mean, this is like, it's been like over a decade of this now. And it's just, it's really confusing why we can't seem to learn this lesson. Russia only understands strength. And it's not even, it's just a mentality. And, you know, I grew up in a Russian community. And let me tell you, even to just the regular people, the mentality, like if you have babushka there, you know, picking tomatoes in the in the food store, like she will stomp over you, push you, you don't exist. <laughs> the minute you, you could say, excuse me politely, please, you know, uh, can I get this? Can you not step on me? ignores the minute you shove back it's like oh oh sorry 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 yeah because this is just that hard that that yeah. mentality i mean this is just a mentality because of the hard system that they grew up in and the only way to get attention is by basically telling them go ahead you want to do this go ahead do it you know and that's why poland it has been ha, had a flawless response because I, I remember dying laughing. Yes. I wake up and I'm like angry. I go on Twitter and uh, one of the Polish uh, deputies or, or one of the government officials like Lavrov, I think, or one of the Russian officials threatened Poland. And he was like, try it. I'll send your balls back to you. And that's yes, it. Right. He yeah, wrote it exactly. in Russian and he wrote it. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and that's it. And I... That's that's and the, I no, died it's, it's, laughing because I was like, "This is how you talk to them. This is exactly yeah. what." Well, well, there was there was a, there was a similar thing where some some Duma, some member, some one of these gangsters in the Duma, one of them, one of them threatened one of our commissioners, Representative Gallego. He I said, remember. I'm come get you yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Two of them, and, and, and Gallego, Gallego let him have it. Like it was it was like coming back at him. It was like like I mean I'm not going to repeat it because there was a lot of profanity, but he but he just let him he let him have it. And that's exactly, that's what you do. That's what you do. And then they back down. I mean, that's, it's, 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 it's just, they're just bullies. Yes. It's dealing with a bully. This isn't the Politburo. It's not the Soviet Union. It's a gangster. It's a gangster regime. That's all you need to know. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, in a sense, it's much simpler. Russia's playing the long game and they are relying on a change of power in Congress. If the Republicans happen to win both House and Senate and have majority, do you see them sticking with the current policy against Russia or loosening sanctions and going towards more of that Trump like, you know, autocratic, like we love Putin thing that they had for several years? I, I don't see I don't see a change. I don't see a change. I mean, we've 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 been totally bipartisan in our approach. Um, I, I really I think that it'll will probably be staying the course. I don't foresee a change in U.S. policy. Hey everybody! If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please visit our website KremlinFile.com. This is a Bunker Crew Media production, hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monique Camara, with executive producers Marley Clements. Jack Bryan, Grant DeSimone, Ben, Brett, and Jordy Micellis of Midas Media, with associate producers Ruby Frankel and Sarah Metz. Theme music by Oreste Camarra. Sound editing and mixing by Joy Ellett. Subscribe to Kremlin File wherever you listen to podcasts.